We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Amen. We'll now turn to our scripture for the week. In reverse this week, we have been in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And we're going to read all of that aloud together. So if you would, stand with me and let's read this aloud. This then is the text for today. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. May God bless the reading of his word. Who among you is wise and understanding? That's how James opens this section with that question. Who among you? Who among you is wise in understanding? Is he asking us? Is he asking the church at Jerusalem? Is he asking the church in general? Who is he asking? Who among you is wise in understanding? Is it rhetorical? Are we supposed to self-select? Am I supposed to nominate one of you? Do we need to take a vote right now? Who of you is wise in understanding? The scripture here asks us this question, who among you? It seems like it might just breed disagreement unless we nominate everyone in the room as wise in understanding. But how do, we, how do we define it anyway? If we're going to say some of us are wise in understanding or all of us are wise in understanding, how are we going to define that phrase wise in understanding? Because most of us, when we try to define this phrase of wise in understanding, we have a fortune cookie default. That when we think of wisdom, It seems as though we picture a sage in the Andes who talks like Yoda and solves all of our problems, giving us a riddle whose answer will fix everything. When you look at the dark side, careful you must be, for darkness looks back. But what happens when you run out of Star Trek movies? Or what happens when you have no motivation or no money to get to the peak of Mount Aconcagua in Argentina? We then go to the next place for wisdom, an American Chinese restaurant, who once you are filled, they provide you with Eastern wisdom in a fortune cookie. Things like this. Carve your name on your heart and not marble whatever that means. (laughs) Feed a cow with roses doesn't get you extra appreciation. I don't know what that one means either. Good news will be brought to you by mail. 
I don't think Ed McMahon is still living. <laughs> you know, I was reading online, uh, people were posting their favorite fortune cookies that they had received. One of them read, today you will get new clothes. <laughs> what if I don't want new clothes? <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Chris, no one really believes fortune cookies. And you, know, you might be right. I, I'm not sure that anybody believes fortune cookies, but I suspect that when people define wisdom, their definition of wisdom is a lot closer to a fortune cookie than it is to Scripture. We think of wisdom as pithy phrases that demand to be on mugs and T-shirts or bumper stickers so that whoever I run into today might confront their own blind spots. But that's not wisdom. See, that's why we need to define wisdom and understanding. When James asks us, who among you is wise and understanding? We need to know the def definitions of those words. And what does it mean? That's why we have to turn to Scripture and ask, what does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to have wisdom? What does that look like to know someone or to be someone who is wise? Because I assure you, wisdom is not just some fortune cookie floating down from heaven like a feather that falls under your problems with a magic formula that will just make them disappear. Wisdom is far more helpful than that. Now, let's take a moment and set the fortune cookie aside. And as we set the fortune cookie aside, let, let's pit up, pick up a combination lock. Because I think that's more helpful for us so think of a lock, and a combination needs three numbers to be opened. In fact, wisdom looks like this lock. And when you have all three numbers ready to open them, it will unlock life so that it flourishes. And when unexpected circumstances come upon you, you know how to respond without your Yoda voice. You see, when you work, work through the Scriptures... You, you turn through looking for wisdom, you're going to see a number of different examples of wisdom in the text. In fact, you will find wisdom, and that very word referenced throughout, from beginning to end, you will find the word wisdom. In fact, it would be good for any of us or all of us to take time to do a word study on wisdom, that if you would go to a topical Bible or to an index and look up the word wisdom and search through all of the scriptures that give you the word wise or the word wisdom and see the examples that are set before you so that we might emulate those and become wise in and of ourselves. But let's look at this. As you work through that, one of the things that you're going to find is that it's multifaceted, it's varied, and you'll see these three things come up over and over again. And this combination of these three things are what unlocks our life to be what it was intended to be at God's hand. In fact, the first thing, so the first number of that combination is our belief. Or think of it like this, it's, it's that which we have in our head, it's that which we know, it's that which we believe, it's that which we hold to be true. It's, it's believing the right things about our lives and our circumstances, that when you see your life and you see the circumstances that surround your life, you, you know what they are, you see them clearly, you have the right knowledge so that you believe the right things about your life and your circumstances. You see, that's, that's number one. 
And to be clear, you know, we have to be careful as we work through this text, as we work through James today, because James tells us in verse 15, you have to be careful here because there's two kinds of wisdom. In fact, there's a wisdom, he said, it comes from above. There's a heavenly wisdom that is above, that is from God. And set against that, there's another kind of wisdom that is, that is earthly, natural, and demonic. And so when we're talking about this, this three-number combination lock that shows us the way to life, it's not that natural, earthly, and demonic. We set that aside. We're talking about that heavenly wisdom from God. That's what sets us straight. You see, this is, this is what we know. This is what we believe. So this, this number one, it's what we have in our memory bank. That's, that's the combination number one. Now, the second number of this combination is what you say. See, this is speaking truth and clarity. You make situations and you make relationships better by your words, by the things that you say. Your speech is encouraging. Your speech is powerful and it brings about peace. Here's what we were talking about last week. If you remember back to the sermon last week, this is, this is what it means to have this accent of Jesus where you're using the same kinds of language and words that Jesus used. You use the language of Scripture and you speak with this accent that's unlike anything else of this earth. It is the language and accent of heaven. It is of our Christ. And see, so then we come to the, 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 we're lining these up. So we've got the first two numbers of the combination. We have our, our belief and, and we have what we say. And those are a big part of wisdom. But those two alone, which is normally where we leave it, they don't unlock the lock. There's a third piece to this wisdom that we have to know. In fact, what you work through is you work through the scriptures and you do your word study on the word wisdom. What you're going to find is wisdom is almost always associated with action. That it's putting into practice what you say and what you believe. That you come to this text and it changes you and it changes the places you go and it changes the things that you do. It's putting these things into practice so that you display a certain kind of wisdom in all of your daily responses. And what's interesting, as you work through this wisdom, it, it's not just talking about the grand moments of life. In fact, it's talking about the opposite. When you, when you search the scriptures for wisdom, it's going to take you to the daily. It's going to take you to the simple. And, and it's going to say that wisdom is, is what you see lived out in daily interactions, even, even when you're, you're cooking your breakfast, when you, when you get up and you're, you're taking care of your kids, when you're interacting with your coworkers, it's all of the daily things. It's the actions that you live out on a daily basis. This is where wisdom lives, and this is where wisdom shows up. And what you're, you're, what you're going to see is, is the world is sort of split in two between those that are behaving like the earthly, natural, and demonic, and those that are acting as Jesus Christ in heaven. And that it's, it's, it's either we're putting to practice the deeds of heaven or we're putting to practice the wishes of the demonic. And James helps us here with the wisdom. Listen to how he describes wisdom. It's all action-based. It's how you respond in specific daily circumstances. So as you read through James 3, 13 through 18 this week, you, you see that this, this evil, earthly, demonic wisdom will have the stains of bitter jealousy selfish ambition, arrogance, lies, disorder. All of these things are that evil wisdom where you're, you're putting into daily practice a, a, a wisdom that, that seeps up to the surface of the earth from the pits of hell. He says, you, you, you see this, it just shows up in the daily life of one who has this earthly wisdom. But listen to how he describes heavenly wisdom. See, heavenly wisdom is not some redeemed fortune cookie. It's action. Listen to all of the things and ways that he describes wisdom of heaven. It is good behavior, 
is gentle deeds, pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering, without hypocrisy, peaceable, sown in peace, making peace. These are the kinds of things that we mean when we say wisdom in action. He's saying you can see it in the fruit of a person's life. Wisdom is you bringing peace into a room you step into so the atmosphere changes by the things that you say and the things that you do. You know, the, it's hard, though, because when someone comes up to you and asks for wisdom, I mean, what do they mean? Usually what they mean is they want you to give them a phrase from Proverbs so they don't have to drive down to the Chinese restaurant. But that's not wisdom, at least not in its full form. W wisdom is the right belief. It's, it's the right words. But, but those things turn into action. And, and, and then you are wise. Then, then you have wisdom. Wisdom is displayed in the actions of our hands. It's displayed in the, the, the places that our feet go. It, it's displayed in, in how things change around us because we have been changed by Jesus Christ. In fact, you have no wisdom to share if you have not experienced Jesus Christ in this life. That is what wisdom is. And, and the sharing of wisdom is when someone has experienced Jesus Christ so that their life is changed. And they take that and they, they wrap their arm around somebody else and they begin to disciple them and they say, I'm going to share with you how Jesus Christ has changed my life and our lives are going to be changed together and your life is going to change. It's lived out in action. There, there is this, this fruit that happens in wisdom. It's not just a phrase left to a cookie. This is lived out in our lives as believers. You know, one of the problems that, that a lot of people have with Jesus is to say Jesus it didn't say enough. Or at least, at the very least, Jesus didn't leave us enough recorded evidence. Even Christians struggle with this. Christians will often uh, ask questions, uh, desperately longing for more information. It will say things like, well, well, why didn't Jesus say this? Or why didn't Jesus talk about that? Or why didn't Jesus clarify this? Or why didn't Jesus speak to this issue or this concern? But why does Jesus speak in all these parables? Why do we only have a few pages that comprise only a limited number of days over a three-year period about his life. You see, we, we know this. Jesus, in all of his glory, could have given us all the information we could have possibly needed so that our beliefs could be fortified with right knowledge. Why didn't Jesus give us more? Why didn't he lay it all out for us? Jesus very well could have left us a complete systematic theology so that we don't have to, to listen to scholars hawk theirs. So why didn't Jesus give us his? You know, I think the answer to that question is found at the end of the Gospels. Do you know the last verse of the Gospels? The, the last verse of the Gospel of John, it's John 21, 25. This is what it says, and I think he's answering all of those questions. John 21, 25. And there also uh, were many other things which Jesus did, which, if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. You see, here's the deal. You don't need any more information. You don't need any more clarification about who Jesus is and the kinds of things Jesus is about. You need no more to act. In fact, he's already given you plenty all of us asking for more are excuses for us not to act, for uh, excuses for us not to be wise. Jesus has given you plenty, and he is saying, be obedient to me, child. 
because you don't need any more. What you need is action that aligns with your beliefs and, and actions that, that align with your speech. You know, if, if you did a word search through scripture on wisdom, that would be a good thing, and you're gonna learn all kinds of things if you just go to something like Bible Gateway or something like that and type in wisdom. It's gonna give you all these scriptures that, that say the word wisdom, and you can learn a lot of things in that way, but let me warn you, that is going to be incomplete. And this is what I mean. Often when you do those things, you're, you, you'll see every verse that has the word wisdom in it. But what you're going to miss is all the allusions to wisdom in Scripture because there are tons of other moments where Scripture is alluding to wisdom and there's all kinds of other examples of wisdom that never actually use the word wisdom in it. So you, you never actually see the Greek word Sophia. But you get this beautiful picture of wisdom. Take Luke 23, 33, for example. Luke 23, 30, uh, 23, 33. And you work down through all the way to verse 43. There's wisdom oozing out of this passage. And even though we don't find the word wisdom typed out, wisdom is being lived out on the cross. In fact, wisdom is being lived out on three crosses. Jesus is here in, in, in the middle of the crucifixion scene and in the middle of these two prisoners. And in the middle of it all, hanging on the cross, Jesus is fulfilling all the wisdom of God in sacrificial behavior. In fact, this is how you know that someone has spent time with Jesus. Their speech sounds like Jesus and their behavior screams sacrifice. But, but wait here, there, there's more. Jesus isn't the only wise one in this scene. There are two others there hanging on crosses next to him. One of those is exhibiting heavenly wisdom and the other a wisdom that is earthly, natural, and demonic. There are two criminals hanging there with him at the crucifixion scene. One on his left, one on his right. One of those men hurls insults at Jesus, demands that Jesus do something for him. He's saying, show us your glory then if you're so powerful. This is a wisdom that is earthly, natural, and demonic. The other criminal then speaks up and defends Jesus. The other criminal speaks up and honors God. The other criminal speaks up and asks for Jesus' blessing even in that moment of death. And you see here, even without Sophia being mentioned, this passage often reserved only for Easter weekend very well may be the best example we have of wisdom. It is a savior in sacrifice and a believer in faith. Heavenly wisdom. So who among you will be wise in understanding? It's the question we began with. Scripture asks of us and we ask again, who among you is wise in understanding? And in that, we ask, what's your response? What is your response to this scene that we read about in Luke 23, a savior sacrificed on your behalf? What is your response to that? What is the action that will be lived out in your life because of that sacrifice that Jesus lived out for you? Because your response to that scene is what is telling. It tells us, it tells the world, it tells the Lord where your heart stands. Will you respond in a way that's earthly, natural, demonic, or will you respond with the wisdom of Christ? Who among you will be wise and understanding? Let's pray together.
Lord, we can picture the cross. See Jesus there, two criminals there with him. And picture the, the scene leading up to it where Jesus is being beaten, torn apart for us, Father, where he acted on our behalf. And Lord, where we picture him acting on our behalf, we say thank you. Lord, we know every moment of that was for us. Carrying the cross to not being able to carry the cross, to being placed on the cross, to be taken off the cross, to be carried to a tomb. The resurrection was for us. The ascension was for us. Actions of a Savior proving who our God is and the kinds of things our God is about. And so for that, Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we look up, we recognize we don't deserve this sacrifice, and in all of your goodness, you gave it anyway. And so, Lord, we, um, we look up with grateful hearts, and we say we love you and we want to obey you. And, Lord, we, we pray that we're going to respond in action, earnest, knowing that this is a matter of life and death, knowing that this, this, is, um, this is bigger than all the other urgent things we have crawling around about us. This is the thing that matters most, and Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding around that. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.